Hello, everyone. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about the three most common mistakes when it comes to exercise and recovering from a chronic illness such as chronic fatigue syndrome, long COVID, POTS, fibromyalgia, and any other associated chronic illness. We've got our movement specialist, Steph Ryan here. Hey, Steph. Hi. Nice to be here. So good. Steph is our resident movement specialist inside our mentorship program at CFS Help. And so she helps people every single day who are on the road to recovery, specifically with their movement. And you might be very surprised with some of these mistakes that you might be making at home. And this is one of the reasons why we do this work is to make sure you don't make these mistakes. It's really hard out in the world right now where there isn't really much practical information out there, especially when you're going to your doctor or you're seeing a specialist who doesn't quite understand chronic fatigue syndrome or associated illnesses and recovery. Our job here at CFS Health is to basically make it as practical as possible so you can actually like not make these mistakes and then go and do the opposite. So absolutely pumped to have you here, Steph, and to talk about this. Do you have anything to say before we talk about these three? I'm looking down at my notes going, these are good. (laughs) No, I'm super excited. Exactly what Toby said. I think there's a nice depth to what we're going to talk about. Mm. These are so common. And regardless of where you're at in your journey, you would have come across these. And so I think whichever area that you're in at the moment, or I guess what journey you're on, you can definitely take something from this and utilize these tips and tools. Number one, one of the biggest mistakes that we definitely see inside the program, and we're very lucky to have Steph be a coach inside the program because she makes sure this doesn't happen. The number one biggest mistake most people make when it comes to movement is they actually don't have a goal. Can you talk about that, Steph? What does that mean? Yeah, it's super common. So people will often say to me, yep, I'm moving my body, all of that. And I'll say, okay, that's great, but why? Or what is the whole reason that you want to pick this exercise or you want to know more about this movement? And they say, oh, yeah. And so often I try and teach them goal-orientated movement, which is essentially moving for a purpose. So you have to go into any sort of exercise with the goal. What do you want to achieve? What is your path? Because if you have a nice goal and then you have mini goals or mini steps to achieve that goal, you are more motivated or you're more excited about movement. And so within that, if we pull that back, the other question I ask them when they do have a goal is why? Why is that goal important to you? So if someone tells me that they want to begin strength training or resistance training, I say, why? Why is that a goal you have? And then they think about it and they might say, I want to play with my grandkids or get up and off the floor easier or I want to go on a holiday with my family because I want to spend more time with them. Whatever it might be, now they have a why and it Mm. makes that goal more meaningful and then it makes movement more meaningful. Mm. I was being a bit cheeky. I was thinking some of their whys might be because I want to have a better looking butt. (laughs) (laughs) I want to have a a stronger, better booty. 100%. You can literally have any sort of justification to your why, and that is entirely up to you as the individual. But as long as you have that why, then everything else flows along with it. Nobody Mm. wants to move for the sake of moving. No one wants to move because some practitioner or some allied health professional told them, hey, you need to move your body. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I also think as well with the allied health stuff, 
it's very common that someone will get a diagnosis and they'll say, oh yeah, go to a physiotherapist and get a program, something like a graded exercise therapy program. And the problem with that is, and you and I have spoken about this before in many other videos, movement and exercise isn't the problem. It's the prescription of the movement and exercise that is the problem. And what I mean by that for you guys at home who don't understand this is like when you are told to go and see a physiotherapist or the likes and they look at you and you look fine, you don't look sick, you don't look like you sleep 14 hours or 15, 16 hours a day and you're at home struggling, struggling. All they see is you're here in this appointment, you look fine. Okay, cool. I'm going to make Wendy jump on the treadmill for 20 minutes and then I'm going to get her to do some Swiss ball balancing exercises, which she's definitely not ready for and conditioned for. And then she wonders why she feels absolutely horrible for two weeks. Wendy, it's not your fault. It's the wrong prescription that's the fault here. And I think the reason why having this goal and the why is so key is because then you can micro dissect it back and start where you're at rather than just like I've been told to go and exercise because apparently that helps me get better and then someone literally prescribes the worst prescription exercise program for someone at that level and then they feel horrible afterwards and they get massive symptoms and flare-ups and it's like the poor thing is trying to get help but the system is letting them down and unfortunately there's not as much education out there and that's why we do what we do but having a goal can help you methodically reverse engineer what to do and where to start and also purpose i think purpose is a big thing too as humans we're not motivated to move unless we have a reason to do so and i think if we tie that really strong why that purposeful why in there like you said the holidays with the family the grandparents who want to be more playful with the kids maybe it's getting back into a physical job Maybe it's going surfing and hiking. We've got a lot of those people in our programs too. I think it just makes getting up easier. Yeah. And it just makes it more enjoyable in that space because now you can see where you're currently at and where you want to get to. And I think that ties really nicely into the second thing Mm. that we usually see, which is people comparing where they used to be compared to where they are now. And not starting where you currently are or waiting for a feeling to before you start. And it's all about just not understanding what movement is or what movement you should be doing. Mistake number two, do not compare yourself to your old self, to where you wish you were or to somebody else. You need to start with where you're at. And exactly what you said, Steph, there's a tendency here to one, not have a goal to try and fast track it. And the problem with that is as soon as you feel good on a given day and you haven't done any exercise for ages and you go, I feel good today. So I'm just going to go for a run. Your body doesn't have the adaptability yet to handle that type of progressive overload just yet. And again, that's why you push and crash. And then you go into the valley of death, which is what we call it, where you know, you have that post-exertional malaise, you have DOMS that last forever, which is delayed onset muscle soreness that can last for weeks and you're just really struggling. And so in order to stop this pushing cycle or this all or nothing routine that you have and pattern, it's so important to not compare yourself to your old self or where you were at. Steph, you said you had a client the other day comparing Yeah, so we have a girl in the program who has come from an elite background in Australian football 
And so for her, talking about rate of perceived exertion, where she was discussing how something I found really easy previously, now that's harder. Yes. And I was trying to explain to her, I said, yes, and it will be harder. There's many things that will be harder. Washing your hair is harder. Making dinner is harder. So it can be really frustrating for someone or it can be really confusing when you continue to compare where you were because it then creates this gray haze where you don't know where you're at, what to start with or how to continue to move forward because we're so focused on the past and not what we're currently able to do. So I think it's a really big realization and it's all about being accepting or accepting where you're at and being Mm. okay with that and then being able to progress and move forward. But if you haven't done that and you're so focused on what everyone else's journey looks like or what you used to be able to do, then it's really hard to progress or to move forward and see clarity with that goal. You don't realize you're doing it until you're told that you're doing it, I think. And what you've got to remember is that you're comparing yourself to when you were healthy and your body wasn't struggling with chronic illness or dis-ease in the body. And so you've got to factor that in, that the changes are going to be different and it's going to feel a little bit harder initially. We say acceptance isn't resignation. And I'll say that once more. Acceptance isn't resignation. And in fact, it's usually the starting point of recovery. People for years, they're like, I can't accept where I'm at. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't accept where I'm at. And it's like they're delaying their speed of recovery by literally saying that I can't accept where they're at until they finally do. And it's like they're propelling forwards. Why? Because they're starting where they're at, which means that they can start. Yeah, exactly. And I think a big thing that we discussed too is that understanding what movement is also important. So Mm. I have a lot of people say to me, I'm not moving yet. I haven't moved my body or I don't know when I should start moving. And I ask them, what do they do during their day? And they'll list about 10 things where they got up, they went to the kitchen, they grabbed something, they made something, they went and showered, all of that. And I try and tell them that, hey, hang on a minute, this is movement. And yes, it previously was just part of your everyday sort of function but now this is something that you have to factor in this is now movement and this is what you can classify as either progressing in terms of movement so for people at home who aren't in the program obviously and a bit confused with it so i guess there's two types of movement there's incidental movement or daily functional movement which is just you getting up out of bed maybe walking outdoors doing the dishes hanging up the clothes socializing Getting in the car, even putting the foot on the pedal to the car is movement. That's actually a good thing, right? But many people, previous busy background, wouldn't identify that as initial daily functional movement that can be tied into their overall baseline. And what's the other one? Yeah, so the other form of movement is more of that structured movement. That's Mm -hmm. where we recommend a combination of resistance and aerobic or cardiovascular training. Usually the two together research finds for chronic illness that's the best form of training or the best for outcomes so that's where we do other micro sessions which is little mini sessions where we drip feed them into our day or exercise structured throughout the day drip feed i love that listen to that for a moment like drip feed it's like rehydration of the body it's like giving what the body needs but in doses versus giving it the biggest dose and it's like whoa that's too much 
essentially exercise snacking. So just like you would throughout your day, you hydrate yourself, you eat as you get hungry. All hungry, of that yeah. is the same thing. We want to fuel that body. We want to make sure that we're ticking off movement, ticking off exercise. So you wouldn't eat one big meal. Some people do sometimes, but we wouldn't eat one big meal and then not eat for the rest of the day. Totally. It's the same with exercise. We want to try and incorporate as much exercise throughout the day as we can. And yeah. it's a really good place to start. I, I think it's a really great place to start. I'm big on, and I know you are too, of the micro sessions versus the macro sessions initially. And what that basically means is micro sessions are small and easy. And if you're at a lower capacity, doing little micro sessions that are like a one, two or three out of 10 in terms of intensity, where it's like really low intensity, low impact, very calm, very relaxed. You almost don't notice it's that hard. And you can do it consistently. And one of our biggest frameworks at Save Us Health is consistency over intensity initially. And the word initially yeah. is really important too, I think, because a lot of people, they think that's forever and it's actually not. It's a periodization inside a person's program. Yeah. And it's exposing them to different movements. Initially, it's trying to get the muscles to wake up because yeah. oftentimes muscles become dormant and we lose activation or the muscles forget what their role is so it's all about teaching them what their role is and then being able to progress from, from there and then once we have a really nice understanding of what our body is capable of without causing these push crash cycles that's where we can slowly progress into those macro sessions because we understand our body more we're more in line with what our goals are we have our purpose we know what our body's capable of and we know those little signals where we're like, hang on a minute, we need to regress or chill out a little bit here or it's go time and we can push a little bit more. Yeah, that's so good. And I think for those who follow the three stages of recovery, there's a free training, cfshealth.com slash three stages. And depending on what stage you're in is dependent on how much output you should do physically in terms of physical exertion and mental and cognitive exertion too. But one of the things we suggest is if you're at a lower capacity, obviously you don't want to have a higher output of exertion because your body and brain is already exhausted as it is. So that's like a restore stage. And so we actually have a movement plan inside our program just for people who are in the restore stage. So they can do things appropriately for where they're at. And as Steph just said, like building that consistency and resiliency in the body and reconditioning the body appropriately as you start to get better and build more strength and capacity then you move into stage two and stage three, which is re-strengthening basically and then reintegrating back into life where what are some of the wins that your clients or our clients, but especially in your sessions that you have with them, what are some of the wins that they've shared with you? Yeah, so I guess <clears throat> everybody has different goals, which is really nice. Once people understand their purpose, their why, their goals, you get to see people achieving some really awesome goals. So we had one of the members wanted to ski with their family. They were able to tick that off. I had another member who was able to start running. She ran five kilometers. Yes, that wasn't overnight, yeah. but that was a really exciting moment for her. Wow. And then we have people that are reintegrating back into their own gym or their own strength training, or they're able to join a class again, whether it's yoga or Pilates or whatever it might be, or it's purely just being able to play basketball with their kid did this happen overnight for any of them i wish it'd be so <laughs> nice if it did it was like a moment of silence so that everyone who's listening around is like 
is the answer yes what's the secret <laughs> because it's so important you guys at home who aren't doing this yet or integrating it properly or consistent with it you need to know it's not overnight one particular lady who works with you a lot Steph in your coaching calls I feel like it was eight months or something like that building up to getting her strength right to be able to do it right yeah, and she started off with one chin tuck, which was an exercise where we're just drawing our chin towards our Posture. neck. And she started with that. And it's crazy to think, but as you said before, when you know where you're at, you're able to propel yourself faster because you're not having those push and crashes. You're mm. understanding that consistency is key and that you're at where you're at and it's progressing from there. And I think that's a really nice place to be in. Wow. I never thought of it like that, but I think what happened is like from the chin tuck, like the first exercise to then the skiing holiday. And in between that gap was micro snacking sessions, which is what we just spoke about before. Yeah. Implementing those micro sessions throughout the day, three times a day, maybe a couple more chin tucks or some postural stuff or some restorative strength movement through the body. And yeah, it's really cool to see the actual result of doing that work because it does add up. It's just that so many people are so lost because they don't have any direction or plan. 100%. And even just talking about personal experience back when I was in the program, I remember starting with a minute walking by myself in the house and that was such a big goal for me and I was so excited because my overall goal was to be able to run so then I could get back to netball. And yeah, that didn't happen overnight, but it was yes, I had an overall goal and then I had mini goals and I celebrated those mini wins. And it was that slow consistency and not being so focused on the future, but being really present to where I'm at and not comparing to what I was pre-illness mm. that enabled me to be able to stay focused and still enjoy that process of recovery. Yeah. For people who don't know Steph's background, she actually did the CFS Health program. 10 years ago now. 10 years ago. There you go. And she was a little young girl. I think she was 16 years old or 15 at the time you were a teenager and you were really struggling. One of your first sessions, you basically slept for half of it. Your mum was there supporting you and yeah, you were able to get back to netball and school and all that. And just for anyone listening, so how it all happened, how Steph works for us now is she got better. She went and lived her life and I think you traveled everywhere. I remember you went to Europe and <laughs> did all these crazy things. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to study exercise science and become a physiologist. And then I reached out to you because I just think it's great to have a really good team supporting everyone from all over the world. And I was like, hey, do you want to come and jump on the team and help more people? And she's like, hell yeah. So that's how the story happened, guys. Been great. Absolutely yeah, loving so it. So fun. So fun. Seeing that I just said those two words, <laughs> so fun. Yeah, I did not mean that at all. The biggest <laughs> mistake, what's number three? Biggest yeah, mistake. the biggest mistake, and I think we mentioned it before, is not having fun with exercise or not enjoying it. Having people tell you to do exercise because it's good, but not picking exercises that you actually want to do. I had a member say to me the other day, she goes, Steph, I hate walking. I hate it, mm. but I love bike riding. Can I ride instead? Hell yeah. I said, 100%. Why would you not? Mm. So it's about picking exercises that you actually want to do because who mm. wants to do exercises for the sake of doing exercise? I definitely don't. No. So it's finding what your flavor is, finding what you enjoy, finding how you can incorporate that in a fun and engaging way. Whether it's exercising with family members, with your kids, making 
games or fun activities with your movement or moving with someone, whatever it might be, but it's making it more fun for you. And so you're more likely to want to do it and create that space that you can do it, whether it's listening to music, a podcast, whatever it might be. Even for the people who aren't ready to do structured movement yet, as in like proper restorative stuff or modality stuff, bike riding, strength training, things like that. And they're just focusing on daily function. I actually still think you could employ some fun in that too. Imagine like brushing your teeth, but like dancing or listening to some music while you do it. It could just be walking around the house with your favorite music on versus treating it like a chore. The beautiful thing about fun is it actually relaxes our nervous system. You'd rather that than doing something like a chore with a clenched jaw, stressful thoughts, and then a really reactive nervous system that's not going to adapt well to the stimulus anyway. Yeah, 100%. I really like how you said that. And I spoke to a member the other day and it made me laugh because she said, hey, I'm not really doing any movement yet, but do you know that pole that you stick into the ground? It's got a piece of string on it and it's a tennis ball. She goes, I'm not doing any movement, but I want to do that with my son. And I said, that is the most fun movement that I could think of, 100%. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good game. She might do five bits of that whatever it might be, but that's her movement. She's still moving. It's goal orientated. It's fun. She's now doing it with her son. How could you say no to that? Why would you not do that? So at Mm. the moment, that is her movement. And that is great. Amazing. Yeah, I also think it's important just for you guys at home listening who don't have access to that. Here's a couple of rules. The first rule is that you need to start with where you're at, which is what we said before. Just because a professional tells you this is where you should start, that doesn't mean you should start there. You need to tune into your body and know your baseline, know where you're currently at to do things appropriately, effectively, and safely for you right now. A good cue for that is that your health is maintaining, meaning that you're not getting any worse than you currently are. And you're not getting sick with colds and flus and things on top of what you're already dealing with. If that keeps happening, it's a pretty sure sign that you still haven't quite got it right and you're pushing and crashing a lot. And also, I just think, yeah, depending on what stage you're at is dependent on what you need to do. I just love the fact that the body has so much wisdom and it will really tell you what to do, basically. If you really listen to it, if we get rid of the fear and the comparison And we get away from that noise and we really turn into the body. There's a deep knowing inside the body that says, I need this. Yeah. And a hundred percent, your body will tell you if you become bored or you're feeling stagnant or your body rejects something, it's because it doesn't like it or it's sick of it or it needs a change. Your Mm. body is so amazing at telling you what it needs. We just need to be able to listen. So good. All right, so let's list them in proactive sense now because that's just who we are as people. If we want to avoid these three key mistakes, these are the three things we need to do. Number one, we need to set goals. We need to know the... Why and your purpose. Why and your purpose. Okay, how does one do that? They just think about their dreams and then move towards that? Yeah, we do an action plan. And I think you mentioned it before. You answer your goal. What is your goal? Why is that important to you? And then how can you get there? So it's creating that action plan. What are the mini steps to help you get there? Are there mini goals that might help you get there? When I referenced before, I started with a minute walking to try and get to overall netball, but there was mini goals in there that I was able to tick off. 
So what's your action plan? What does it look like? And be excited when you see the process and continue that progression or that pattern. And don't feel disheartened or angry or upset if you're not where you want to be. And I think that ties into the second thing where we say, let's not compare to where you used to be. Mm, Okay. Yeah, I love that. Set the goal to the top of the mountain, but then bring your eyesight back down to the step in front of you. Yeah. You can only walk up a step one at a time. Yeah. (laughs) Mic drop. That's so true. (laughs) Say that again. You can only walk up a step one leg or one step at a time. If you try and do too many, you come off balance. It's awkward. It's dangerous. It's not fun. Steph, you should probably write a Tibetan ancient wisdom book right there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised it came out of you, but that was freaking spot on. No truer words. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Number two, Um, you got your goal, you got your why and your what, and then you're going to break it down. Number two is to accept where you're at and start there. Yeah. And we discussed not comparing or not waiting for a certain feeling or a certain point in time where you can begin your movement or I guess progress in that space. It's just understanding where you're at and being okay with that. And starting. Yeah. Everyone has to start somewhere. You can't wait for someone to tell you when to start because nobody knows your body more than you. And as long as you're doing the right frameworks and sticking to the right teachings, you can't go wrong because you're playing on the appropriate effective safe side versus the silly ludicrous prescriptions giving the wrong information at the wrong time and implanting it and we always say when you do the right things at the right time the body gives you the right results and then number three is we want to make it fun how can we bring a little bit of joy a little bit of fun maybe even a little bit of sass to what we're doing yeah 100 percent. i am definitely renowned for my sass in my movement but We want to make it engaging. We want to make it fun for you. Nobody wants to do exercise because someone said they had to. So embrace movement. We want that positive relationship with movement. And the best way to do that is to enjoy it. I'm going to ask you this question as we wrap up. Why is movement so important? And why do people need to know it's important? Yeah, great question. I could literally list a hundred things. But if you think about in any scenario, people often will prescribe some sort of movement, whether it's getting over a chronic illness, whether it's just becoming healthier version of yourself or whether it's because we need endorphins or we just need blood flow or whatever it might be. Moving our body can help in so many different aspects, whether it's sleeping better, whether it's creating that clarity, reducing brain fog, whatever it might be. But our bodies crave movement. We were designed to move. And it's really important that we try and feed that into our life. Yeah, I think there's just so much fear around movement, which is understandable because, again, people have been wrongly prescribed. And I say some people shouldn't move right now. Like the last thing they need to do is a proper structured movement exercise program. Forget that. Just focus on sitting up in bed. Because that's movement to start with. And I think that's what people are forgetting. And also just reconditioning your body. I love what you said before about sleep. One of the things that a lot of our members start to achieve and work towards and understand when they start doing the program is this concept of good tired. A lot of people, they just think all tiredness is bad. And it's like, no, no, no. We want to avoid chronic fatigue syndrome tiredness, like that exhaustion. But people try and avoid that and then they can't sleep at night. 
there's just too much energy yeah. in the body and the system. I've had a couple of members say I've had really anti legs or these feelings of heavy legs that we often talk about. And a lot of them say it's, I think it's because I didn't move my body today. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. really interesting when we come to that. You want to get to the end of the day, good tired. And good tired basically means you're feeling sleepy. Once the sun goes down, basically, the sleepiness wants to slowly start, which is, if you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, it's really natural and normal for that to happen. The brain starts to produce melatonin, and that's when we can start to switch off and get that good sleepy tired at nighttime, which will allow us to sleep better as well. When you get better, how are you expected to lift the shopping out of the boot and take it to the house? You need strength and stamina. Yeah. And that's the thing, like movement creates so many great opportunities for us in our everyday life. And if we can get our muscles stronger, it takes pressure off our joints and then people can begin to live their life again. People want to go on holidays or Mm. they want to spend time with their family. And the perfect example before was to be able to get on the floor to play with their grandkids, but then to get back up. And if you don't have the strength or the capacity to do that, it it takes away from your life. You're no longer living. And unfortunately, when people have chronic illnesses, we do spend a lot of time missing out on life. So I think if we can incorporate movement and begin to progress appropriately, then it almost allows us to take back our life. No words. (laughs) There's a reason why you're here and you're doing this work because you're freaking amazing at it. Thank you so much. If you found this super helpful, make sure you leave a like, comment, subscribe. This has just been so powerful and one I think people will re-watch a million times as they go through this journey to get healthy and start living again. Steph, thanks so much. Appreciate you. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye.